Today, I'm going to go back to the late, late summer of 1990. I was about 13 years old. I was going to turn 14 in October. And in September, I was going to be starting high school. So, at 13, uh, I still didn't really have a job. I'd cut a lawn. You know, maybe there was an allowance. And I didn't drive yet. Because that didn't happen until after I was 14. So, this is me in my little town that I grew up in. And it wasn't like a small farm town. I didn't grow up in a place like that. I grew up in the suburbs, you know. But, you know, the houses weren't too big and it was a safe neighborhood and you knew everybody that was around. And you'd get on your bicycle and there was a main street, and there were little shopping centers everywhere, strategically placed all throughout the town, you know, with a supermarket and a hardware store and a video rental shop and all that kind of stuff. Now, if you grew up in a place like this, you probably had what we used to call the card store. That's what we called it. Now, the card store, there was actually a few of them in my town, but the one that takes me back to late summer of 1990 today is a place called Woody's Goodies. Now, Woody's Goodies was pretty typical. Nothing fancy, nothing special about it on the surface. But for a 13-year-old kid, this place was pretty killer. You know, like I said, I was on a bicycle and... Woody's was the kind of place where when you got together with your friends, you could all go to and have a place to hang out for a couple hours. You walked in. I remember there being the newspapers and stuff on the left-hand side and a rack with all the magazines. And then in front of you was a few racks of like Hallmark cards, hence the name Card Shop. And to the right when you walked in was the comic book rack and right to the left of that was the counter where you could get all your candy and cigarettes and all that kind of stuff now behind the counter was this Englishman I don't remember his name but he was a really nice guy and I think he kinda knew that he had this cool little spot in town because it was where the kids kinda got together <clears throat> he wasn't I wouldn't say he was a comic book collector or reader but I think sitting there for all those hours, you know, I'm sure he picked up one or two. And I, I remember having quick little chats with him about them. Oh, he liked the art in this one or that one had a cool cover. And he was very friendly, very sweet. And in the back of the store was this little alcove with a couple of video games, which was really like the, the big draw for the kids. Because I didn't have too many friends that read comic books. Um, I was a little different in that regard than most of the, you know, the kids I hung out with. Um, they were all into video games, though. And in the back of that store, they used to have NARC, which was pretty cool. And um, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game, which I think kind of still really kicks ass. Um, it was just real simple and clean and... You could play any of the four turtles, and it was fun. It was action and fun together, perfectly. 
and it looked beautiful for the time. And so you would go in there and, you know, like I said, I'm only 13, no job, no car. Um, I cut a few lawns and got some money or maybe an allowance. My mom was very fair with me, you know, if I ever needed a dollar or two, which is all you kind of needed back then for a comic. That was never an issue. It was a bit harder to get to a comic book store for me. Um, there wasn't one in my town. And, you know, when you have a kid and the kid says, take me to a comic book shop, well, eight times out of ten, your parents is going to say, not today, you know. So you make do with what you got. And I had a card shop, and that's how I made do with most of my collecting through those early teen years. And Woody's Goodies was one of the best. It was a simple rack. It was no more than that with a variety. I think there was one or two spots for like little Archie comics. And he would have a bunch of DC, a bunch of Marvel. And I'm trying to think. I guess Dark Horse was around at that time, but I don't remember him even having that. I think it was pretty much just Marvel at DC. And... I was always happy with what he had, you know. Um, in 1990, I was a Marvel head. And I think that's why I think about this one comic that I bought there. Now, I know I bought hundreds of books there, tons and tons. <clears throat> but for some reason, I really particularly remember pulling this comic off the rack and handing it to the guy. And being stoked because it looks so cool. And the issue I'm thinking about is the New Mutants, number 93. Now this was the one with the cover by Rob Liefeld and inked by Todd McFarlane. And it was written by Louise Simonson. And it was a dollar back then, but a cover date of September 1990. And this is a badass cover. It's so cool. Um, you know, getting into comics in the early to mid-80s, Wolverine was the shit. And that love for the character between, like, the early 80s and the mid to late 90s just kept progressively getting stronger and better and bigger. You know, you think in the, you know, early mid-80s, John Byrne was, like, the best Wolverine artist ever. And then you got into the late 80s and all these other people started drawing him and it just kept, you kept getting cooler and cooler images. And I guess they were really exploiting the character and he was in all these books, but I don't think that got anywhere near as bad as it did later on, years later. <clears throat> Back then though, he would show up in a comic once in a while and here he was, Wolverine, guesting in The New Mutants and... You know, I guess there's people out there with some bad opinions of, of Rob Liefeld. Uh, I have a very good opinion of his work. Um, th there's nothing like being a 13-year-old kid in 1990 and, and turning that comic book rack. And when you come across a Rob cover, th there's nothing else that looks like it. You know, it, the color helps, but the, the drawing is just so dynamic and so fun and so easily noticeable as Rob's drawing. It just sort of bowls you over when you see it. And this is a really perfect example of Rob's work. 
It's a great, great, great cover. Wolverine is attacking Cable. And Cable was like, you know, like three issues old at that point. Maybe a little bit less. I forget the number. Was he like 87 he came out? Regardless, he's like a new character that kicks ass. And here's Wolverine that kicks ass. And they're about to kick each other's asses. And it, it looks amazing. Wolverine's got his claws out. And Cable's eyes lighting up. And his metal arm is in a fist. He's going to kick Wolvie's butt with his big sword. Oh, this is just awesome. Just looking at it down here in the bottom in the excitable like bubble it says you knew it had to happen. Cable versus Wolverine. All this and Sunfire too. Uh, who gives a shit about Sunfire? Look at Wolverine and Cable. That's all I needed. And I think that's exactly why this issue has just stayed with me all these years. And, you know, there's a lot of books I can think of that I bought at this place, Woody's Goodies, because I loved it so much. But I think the strength of Rob's cover here is what has sort of made this one be the the issue that I really particularly remember handing over to that Englishman saying, Damn, that looks so cool. And, and that's kind of it. I mean, you know, I was lucky to have a place like that. If I didn't have a comic book shop, I was lucky to have a place like that. Now, I know uh, I'm not getting into the business end of anything because, I, I don't know, I wouldn't be talking from the right place because I don't know what goes on. I have an idea, but I don't really know. But, you know, I don't see comic racks anymore. And whether there's no money to be made because of them or they don't make sense anymore, all the, I guess logical reasons why I don't see them anymore make sense to someone but I, I can't get past the fact that without that comic rack in some random shop that wasn't a comic book store I would not have been able to fall in love with comic books as much as I did those racks were saviors they were totems of you know beautifulness that I could walk into a supermarket and find, I'd run, like, I knew there was a rack in here somewhere. I'd walk into any random shitty card store, and I knew that there was going to be a rack in there. And I was going to find something new, or something awesome that I wanted. And it was going to be 50 cents or a dollar, and it was going to blow my mind. And more often than not, when I walked into Woody's Goodies, I walked out with a really, really cool comic book. And I'm really thankful for that place. I'm thankful that I had that place. At that age, when I couldn't hop in a car and drive two towns over to get to a comic book shop. And so, speaking of comic book shops, because we're running down time here. When I was looking through the comics list this week for what comes out tomorrow, two things really stuck out to me that I really, really want. Uh, Strange Fruit by Boom Studios and J.G. Jones and Mark Wade, And The Black Science Artist Proof, Giant Sized. This is Matteo Scalero and Rick Remender. Uh, 11 by 17 for 20 bucks. They basically just blow up or life-size his drawings in a black and white comic. And I cannot wait to just hold that and look at Matteo's art. Thanks. Bye. Next week. Later.